what's a bottom feeder? A bottom feeder is a marine creature or any marine creature that lives on the seabed and feeds by scavenging. Right? So they eat everything down the bottom of the seabed. Now, I thought of the bottom feeder when I was reading the scripture that I'm going to uh, base my message on. My text this morning is from Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 to 2. That's Colossians 3, 1 to 2. I'm going to read a few translations. And whenever you start seeing variations in the different translations, it's telling us that the text the writer of the text has started to use figurative language that really is rich in meaning in the original language. All right? And so when people start saying, oh, the King James is actually the true translation or living translation is the true tra-. Actually, these different translations are trying to capture some of these difficult language, rich language in the original Hebrew and Greek. So in this context, it's the Greek language that Paul is using some figurative, metaphorical language in order to capture some rich um, message that he's trying to give us, all right? And so here in Colossians 3, 1 to 2, he's saying, if then you were raised with Christ, this is the New King James, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, right? The NLT says it this way. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, right? Now, if you move closer to um, Eugene Peterson's translation, and he takes the liberty to actually unpack the rich metaphor. And this is what he says, his translation of Colossians 3, 1 to 2. If you are serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Isn't that beautiful? Right? So he, he captures this um, figurative, metaphoric language and puts it down to our, um, you know, uh, today's language. And so I want to talk to you about this. Notice some of the phrases the translations have used, right? Seek those things which are above. Set your mind on things above. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. We have a tendency to be very alert on what's going around us, you know? But Paul is saying, hey, be alert. What's going on up there? Where Christ sits in the place of honor. Be alert. What's going on around Christ, see things from his perspective, right? So I want to talk to you about this for this year. This year, I'm challenging myself and, and I'm challenging you, obviously, to see things with Christ, in Christ's perspective, from Christ's perspective, right? See things from Christ's perspective. So I'm going to use NIV, which is 
um, quite straightforward in their translation. And so I'll read that again. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated on the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So these are the two things I'm going to look at. Set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. Right? So these are the two things I want to recommend to us all in our life this coming year. Alright? In order to have Christ's perspective, we've got to set our hearts on things above. We've got to set our minds on things above. So let's start with the heart. Set your heart on things above. In other words, Paul is saying, seek, pursue, go after, desire things above. What is this that he calls things above? Right? Well, note first of all, when he talks about things above, it's a place. He says, where Christ is. So it's a place, right? When he talks about things above, he's talking about a place where Christ is. Secondly, it's a position where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So it's a position because the right hand of God is actually a, a seat of power. That's basically what he's saying, right? Christ is seated in the throne room and is seated at the seat of power. And so Paul is saying, set your heart there. Position your heart in that place, right? Let your heart dwell in that place. That inner self of yours needs to be this dwelling place, this safe place, which he calls above. Things above, right? Where Christ is, where Christ is seated in power. It's a place, it's a position, it's an inner posture. Right? So, the psalmist puts it this way. Psalm 61, 1 to 4. Oh God, listen to my cry. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. You see, where was his heart now? His heart wasn't positioned in that place where Christ is. His heart wasn't dwelling in that secure, safe place where Christ was. His heart was in, in this sinking place. His heart was overwhelmed. And so he knew, this is not where I want to be. And so he says to God, hear me, Lord. Hear my cry. My heart is sinking. My heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety. Lead me. He's talking about a place now. He's talking about a positioning again. Lead me to a towering rock of safety. For you are my safe refuge. A fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary. Safe beneath the shelter of your wings. Can you hear this metaphorical language? He is talking about a place where his heart can reside in. He's talking about a place where when his heart is sinking, when his heart is overwhelmed, he knows, I've got to reposition myself. I've got to reposition this inner place of mine to find that secure place, that, that place I call my rock of safety, that place of safe refuge, a fortress where nothing can come and overwhelm me. Right? And then he says, where is that place? It's him. Right? It's beneath the shelter of your wings. That's what Paul was talking about when he says, set your heart 
on things above, where Christ is, where he's seated in a powerful position. King of kings, Lord of lords. Your inner sanctuary is, is fine, reposition that inner sanctuary of yours into that safe place where Christ is Lord of all. And when you are in that place, <coughs> drop your anchor. Rest there. That's where you'll be secure. Another Psalm, Psalm 37, verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Don't fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret. It only causes harm. So what the psalmist is saying is, hey, you know, sometimes your position in that place of rest in God, your position in that safe place in God, and then someone, something, some circumstance will reposition you. And you feel, how do you know you've been repositioned? He gives us a hint. He says, anger is a good, is a good indication. Right? When I start getting upset, when I start getting angry with a situation, or I start getting angry with somebody who's done something to me, I know I have been shifted. I've been repositioned. Right? And he says that anger will eventually lead to wrath. And you know where the next thing wrath leads you to? Fear. That's what shakes us. And he says, don't do that. It's only harmful to you personally. So what does he say first? Rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Again, telling us, reposition. Get back to that secure place. Where is that secure place? It's a person. It's Jesus Christ, our Lord. Right? When you find that place, he's saying rest and wait there. That's your refuge. If you look at toddlers, right? When they are in, in a busy place and they are tired and they want to sleep, right? Have you noticed? They will not, they refuse to sleep. And then they start getting agitated. They start getting upset. They start getting angry. Why? Because they're tired, right? But they don't want to sleep. They don't want to miss out. FOMO, fear of missing out. <laughs> and so they want to hang around, right? And so... Mommy will pick little baby up, right? And hold baby and baby's wiggling, wiggling, wiggling. Right? He hasn't learned yet or she hasn't learned yet that mommy is stronger. Right? For now. (laughs) And so she wiggles, he wiggles, he wiggles, he wiggles. Mommy holds on, mommy holds on. He starts, you know, um, getting upset. He's crying, wiggling, trying to get down. All right? Then eventually he says, look, I'm just going to take 30 seconds of rest, get back my strength, and I'm going to wiggle my way out of it. That 30 seconds, he just puts his head on mommy's shoulder. Next thing you know, he's gone. He's fast asleep. He's at rest in the place where he should have been in the first place. So I'm saying to us, you know when we are wiggling, when we are upset, we say, oh God, this isn't fair. God, why is this happening to me? God, why aren't you responding? Stop wiggling. Stop getting undressed. Settle. 
find that place in God. Find that secure place in Him. Drop your anchor and rest. This year, Lord's inviting us to set our hearts on things above. Where? It's a place. It's where Christ is. Where? It's a positioning. It's resting in the knowledge of who Christ is. Dwelling in that inner place where Christ is truly all-present, all-powerful, and all-good. You reposition yourself there. You drop your anchor, and you rest, and you wait till He comes through for you. Set your heart on things above. Second thing Paul says, set your mind on things above. Let me tell you what the mind is. The mind is made up of your thoughts and your talk. Your thought and your talk is your, what your mind is, right? Your thinking is your silent saying. And your saying is your audible thinking. You know what you're thinking all day? Listen to what you're saying all day, right? So I say this, right? Your thinking and your saying is interlinked, right? What you think will influence what you say. What you say will start influencing what you think. Right? It's all connected. And so I want to say this. Paul says, set your mind. In other words, set your, set your thinking, set your talking on things above. Right? So what's he talking about? What's, what, I wonder, have you ever wondered, what are the thoughts that go on in the heavenlies? What's the talk that goes on in the heavenlies? Have you ever wondered? Well, wonder no more, my friends. <laughs> you know, today, everybody's preoccupied with the mark of the beast, right? Now, in all my years of growing up, this is not new, all right? Through the years, I've always heard sermons about the mark of the beast, warnings about the mark of the beast. And so, I've heard in my Christian life, people talking constantly about the mark of the beast. But I've never heard people talk about the mark of the saints. Do you know, when John talks about the mark of the beast, two verses later, he talks about the mark of the saints. But nobody's interested in the mark of the saints. Everybody's interested in what's the mark of the beast. Friends, I think we need to start getting excited about the mark of the saints. Let me take you to it. Revelations 14, 1 to 3. So this is two verses after he mentioned, actually, the verse immediately after he completes talking about the mark of the beast. All right? The next verse is Revelation 14, verse 1. Then I saw the Lamb standing on, the mount, standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. I know there's a lot of symbols here, but I want to capture the message here. I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. So he's talking about this sound that he was hearing, right? What was this sound? John says, this, a great choir, sang a wonderful new song. What he was sing hearing was an entire choir 
in the heavenlies singing a new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. He's talking about these who were redeemed from the earth, right? Who had a new language, who had new vocabulary, who had words that were given to them, and only they could learn that language. Now, there is a mindset, I want to say this, there's a mindset and language that is common among those who are heavenly minded. Let me repeat this. There is a mindset and language that is common among those who are heavenly minded. And we get a glimpse of this through John's revelation. We look, we get a glimpse of what, what's going on in the heavenlies. We get a glimpse of the language of the heavenlies. We get a glimpse of the thinking pattern in the heavenlies. And this is it. 15 little songs you will hear throughout the book of Revelation, right? I can't read all those 15 um, occurrences, but it starts in chapter 4, verse 8, right? Where the four living creatures say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Then you, a few verses later, 24 elders echo what they've just heard. And they say, You are worthy, O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created next chapter you hear new song being sung right you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to god by your blood out of every tribe every tongue every people every nation and you have made us kings and priests to our god and we shall reign on earth these songs that they were singing this is the language of the heavenlies this is the mindset of the heavenlies all right and you can go on and on 15 little choruses and songs that give us a glimpse of what's the thinking or the mind of what's going on above in the heavenlies right and of course, the final outcome is these words when the, trump, the final trumpet, the seventh trumpet is sounded by the angel and you hear loud voices saying this, all right? The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of our Christ and he will reign forever and ever. The language of the heavenlies is about Christ, his supreme power, his supreme authority, his victorious um, life that he will soon bring to everyone who believes in him. That's the language of the heavenlies. That's the mindset of the heavenlies. And so Paul is inviting us, set your mind on that. I want to say this, every day we are singing a song. I'm not talking about just the songs we sing. I'm not talking about the songs in the radio that comes out. But every day you and I, from the time we wake up in the morning, we are singing a song. We are either singing an earthly song or we are singing a heavenly song. It's up to you to put language to your song. Your thinking, your speaking, creates a language. Is it an earthly language? Or have you set your mind on things above? Philippians chapter 4 says this, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, 
whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Dwell your mind on these things. You're talking about a man who was arrested three times for being a child of God. Arrested for the message he was saying, God loves you. God has come to save you. Right? Beaten. Whipped. Shipwrecked. The suffering servant of Christ. How did he endure earth? He endured it through setting his mind on the things above. The language of the heavenlies. The mind, mindset of the heavenlies. So this year, my dear friends, my invitation to all of us, set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. Don't let what's going on around you or your circumstances derail you from these two things, the heart and your mind. So let me close with this Psalm, Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. You know it so well. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. You see these two things there as the psalmist talks about. The dwelling and the saying. First he says, He who dwells in the secret place. Your heart must be positioned in that secret place where Christ is Lord of all, where Christ is your supreme Lord, where Christ is your all, where Christ is your good and faithful God. And then the saying comes, I will trust Him. He is my God. When one is dwelling in God, the saying will be God. Your dwelling will determine your saying, and your saying will influence your dwelling. Your dwelling will determine your saying, your saying will influence your dwelling. And so, this year, let's have, let's set our hearts on things above, and set our mind on things above. Change your thinking, change your talking, reposition constantly your dwelling. So let me close with a few words here. Seek things above this year. Position and keep repositioning your heart to dwell in Christ Rest in His position. Rest in His power. Rest in His ability. Set your heart in that place with Him. And then, as you keep setting your heart on things above, where Christ is seated in the right hand of God, drop that anchor and rest. Then don't forget, set your mind on things above. Take stock of your thoughts. Take stock of your speech. Think of your circumstances from God's perspective. The way God 
things of it. Declare into your circumstances what God is saying. Kingdom of God, come into my circumstances. Will of God, be done in my circumstances. You start speaking God's perspective into your circumstances. And so then, we begin to see things through God's eyes. Set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. And for God's sake, don't be a bottom feeder. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast. For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.